a bit like Alice. Tumbling down the rabbit hole. This is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. You take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to believe. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Deeper Down the Rabbit Hole. Now live. Tuesdays, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. On the Para-X Radio Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Deeper Down the Rabbit Hole. This is your host, Jason M. Caldwell, joined tonight with James Stovall, Shaman Jim, Two Snakes. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How about yourself? I'm doing great, man. I tell you what, we had some weird technicality on my end here where the music started going into a bunch of thumping and beating, so I really hope that didn't happen on air. Uh, but we shall see. A little see. impromptu spiritual techno music. I know, right? It's like, I don't even have a turntable. I do have a microphone, though. <laughs> nice. So, uh... <laughs> so, I want to remind everyone, because, you know, I, oh man, it's been a long week. It's been a long day. I think we're going to talk about herbs tonight, and I could use some herbs. But, but that's a whole other story. <laughs> um, I want to talk about do magic. And the fact that there's a challenge going on right now, and Jim is taking part in that challenge, so he's going to tell us a little bit about the challenge that's going on at DoMagic.com with a K as we speak. Yeah, Do Magic Challenge uh, this month for December, we're doing a meditative challenge, and it's been really fascinating so far. So you can approach this from a a lot of different angles. There's people that are approaching it from a pure meditation angle. Uh, can you empty your mind? Can you clear your mind of any sorts of thoughts? But the the way that Andrea laid out the challenge, you can actually do anything in a meditative state. So I am taking this opportunity to spend 30 days of writing and introspection. So, for example, for myself, I'm getting up in the morning, I'm cleansing with Palo Santo, doing a breathing exercise to, to generate my aura and make sure my energy field is nice and strong and then i am just free form writing for 30 minutes and then possibly doing another cleansing or banishing afterwards and there's people that are working with uh um, chakras there's people that are doing this to work with uh, demonic forces and do that sort of work they're approaching it from all different angles and it's been really fascinating there's even a uh group on Facebook where people are posting up links as they as they work through their progress. Not necessarily the details of what happens, but just general overviews of what their day is like. 
So you get encouragement. You get likes. You get people you know are looking at your your blog to keep it going, to keep you going, and get motivated. And it's been a really great experience so far. Very nice. Oh, so have you found out anything new in your introspection in this little journey of yours, Jim? Yeah, I found out that even at three in the morning, I can rant pretty well. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) It's amazing. No, sometimes, like, uh, so I'm using it, uh, it. I'm calling it freeform writing because sometimes uh, there is a story that I'm working on. I am working on on a, a novel, and so sometimes it, it pertains to that. But other times it's just a really deep thought process. So it might have relation to the dream that I just did. It, uh, I woke up from it. Might it might be related to who knows what? But it's been very fascinating that. Uh, that it just pours out, and sometimes it, the hardest part is actually you know, shutting down the computer or, or putting the tablet or uh, notebook away and, and going to work. That sometimes is the biggest part of the challenge because your brain wants to stay in that state. So you're doing it in the wee hours of the morning before you go into your early job, then? Yes, sir. I sit down to write uh, around uh, 20 after 3, 3.30 in the morning ish is when I'm writing I'm impressed, sir. I'm very impressed. I'm very impressed that you're awake right now. <laughs> I won't be. Wow. Soon after this broadcast, I'll be <laughs> I'll be out. Well, let me tell you, I got up at 5 this morning, and oh, boy, I'm barely here. <laughs> <laughs> I know the feeling. I really do. So I want to apologize to tonight's guest, Brian Hornbeck, because we tried to have him on, what, at least a month ago, maybe a little bit longer than that even, and things went horribly technically wrong. Jim, why don't you tell <laughs> yeah. why don't you tell folks about what Brian is into and what you know about Brian, and uh, give him a little intro and explain to the audience why we might have a little bit of a hiccup with the audio tonight. Yeah, well, everybody, uh, Brian is coming to us tonight from uh, Portsight, Arizona, where he is running his stand. He sells crystals herbs and does educational work and healing work. Uh, I had the pleasure of meeting Brian a few years back, and he is, in my mind, the foremost expert on sage, especially the white desert sage, with all kinds of herbs. He is a uh, traditional healer who originally is from my neck of the woods, actually. Now he's been living down there, lived in Mexico and all over the place, and he does amazing healing grids and all kinds of fun things about that. You can see his new website at terraalchemy.com. That's T-E-R-A, one R, terraalchemy.com. And with that, I'd like to welcome my friend, Brian Hornbeck. Hey, Brian, how are you? I'm pretty good, James. Thanks for having me on. It's pretty fun. been a while since I've seen you. <laughs> nice to be here like this. Yeah, well, I, 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 we should apologize to him on two fronts because uh, we, we, we failed to have you on. Uh, last time because of technical difficulties, and now tonight we're making you, we're forcing you out of the hot tub. That's not a or the oh, <laughs> out of the no, herbal yeah. bath. That's it, not a good thing. Yeah, it wasn't really a hot tub. I just had my feet in in the herbal <laughs> bath, and some of those herbs I'll talk about tonight. So we'll all get that vibe, anyways. Ooh, awesome! I like it. I like it. Um, so, for the the people that are not as familiar with you as I am, 
how did you get started in this whole path that's led you down through uh, southern United States, Mexico, all over the place? Oh, let's see. Um, it, it all started with a, a Reader's Digest article that I read on the, in the bathroom at my friend's mom's house when I was in college, I guess. Really? And I should go back to me reading Lord of the Rings when I was 10 and wanting to be Gandalf. <laughs> <laughs> well, that probably counts. <laughs> but, no, I, start, I read this article and I found it fascinating and I started, like, meditating. I bought a book. I bought the, the, the book um, Chakra Healing by Keith Sherwood back in the 80s and just started meditating and started feeling really good. And... Uh, had been making jewelry and stuff at the time and um someone handed me a slip of paper with the spiritual healing or the healing properties of some stones so i started doing clandestine healing for my friends with jewelry you know and then uh finished college came out to california and you know kind of took the that a little farther and and started you know doing laying on of the stones for people and you know, in my in my journey for in the, in in 1990 from Michigan to California, you know, leaving Michigan, there wasn't a lot going on. You know, like in the public eye or like the, that I had access to. With you know, as far as spiritual things, as far as like learning about natural medicine, and then going to California and just like going, you know, going in a health food store and buying an herb book one day. And I thought, cause I thought it looked interesting and just like becoming fascinated with it. You know, that was probably 1991, 1990, 91. And, uh, I just became super passionate about learning how to use herbs to help people. Later on, I moved down to San Diego from Orange County where I was living and met a, you know some cool people uh, John Finch and Jane Richmond in particular who run the self heal school of herbal studies and healing took some a bunch of classes with those guys and uh, and now I teach at their school frequently in, in, in San Diego you know just kind of one thing led to another I ended up in San Diego and then pretty soon I was in Mexico and at the Mexican National Festival of Medicinal Plants and got invited from there all over to do healing work, to share knowledge about herbs. That was probably 2001, and then worked, you know, with with um, with those with the group from the Mexican National Festival of Medicinal Plants for several years, teaching there on and off, and uh, becoming. Uh, I'm a, I was a representative when I lived in Tijuana of the the uh, the Mexican uh, Guild of Traditional Medicine. And That's just kind of working with the, working with the indigenous groups and in like the little villages down in the south of Mexico, I worked a, a lot with the Puerto Pechas and Otomi and and then up in Baja where I lived in Tijuana, um, you know, getting to know some of the traditions of the Kumiai and the Pai Pai and Kukapa there. That's, that's quite a journey. That's that's really yeah. amazing. Well, I, I yeah. think it's really awesome that. Uh, you know that to become so accepted, you know, in a, in a in an age where now you're hearing, uh, you know, everybody's really kind of uh, frightened because of a cultural appropriation or, or to you know have things leveled or, or that at them. That, that I don't know. It's just kind of cool that you're so accepted and, and everybody. You went from you know going down to hang out and, and learn to to teaching and traveling and teaching. I think that's an amazing transformation in its own right. 
Well, it was interesting because I went down to you know to the workshop to take a workshop, and then the workshop I signed up for was re- was something really super basic that it was it was uh, actually uh, rustic acupuncture, and I thought, oh, cool, we're going to use uh, pine needles and you know cactus needles, right? <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> and I thought that'd be fun. Like I thought it was still kind of like pre-Hispanic uh, acupuncture, right? We were gonna do, and and uh, it, what it ended up being was just five element theory. And I'm like, I talked to the teacher who was an expat, you know, an American expat, and he's like, "Why are you in this class? You could teach it." I'm like, "Well, I, yeah, I realize that now. I'm leaving. I'm gonna go." Find- <laughs> 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 It was cool because I, 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 they had an herb walk going on right when I kind of left the classroom and, and I ended up on the herb walk and my Spanish was pretty bad at the time, but a, a lot of the herbs that they were pointing out, I knew, you know, they had yarrow and mugwort and, you know, stuff that grows up there, you know, where I live too. And uh, and so I started talking to people in my broken Spanish about how do you how I use the herbs. And the guy leading the walk, he didn't know the, how, what the herbs were for. He just knew what the plants were. <laughs> really? Yeah, and so people started inviting me all over Mexico. Like, people that there were, like, 20, 30 people on the herb walk, and they, they, they all started giving me their addresses and getting a hold of me and having me come to their village and do healing and, and work with the people. And, 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 and then different other, you know, traditional healers would invite me to come share and share knowledge with them, you know, and share some good food, too, you know, it was Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, which is definitely part of the the the, the journey there, right? Yeah, I, I would, a lot of meals well, along the way, right? Because I would get invited to these places, and they would really, as I was doing healing with the people, you know. And sometimes I'd have like twenty people in a day where we do consultations. I just work all day for days, you know. And uh, they would treat me really good because I came there to help them, right? So their best dishes, their best food that they made, they would always try to show me, oh, this is our food from our village, you know, so wow. <laughs> it all went along pretty well with with my style of like, you know, I like good food and <laughs> I like, uh, you know. <laughs> oh. It's really, that's that's really neat. It uh, points out how different cultures value their healers still a lot more than, uh, than the North American culture, I, I think, in a lot oh, of ways. Oh, yeah. Like in in May, I was invited invited down to Chenan Michoacan to teach at a at a festival of traditional medicine there this this past May, and um, you know, this is just like like an Indian village way up in the mountains in the middle of nowhere, and and you know they paid for my way to get there and stuff because they wanted me to come teach at their thing. You know, it's like to me that's just like such a huge honor. You know, right, right. Yeah. Is that is that quite a difference from what you experience even just across the border in Quartzsite, or is that? How would you compare the two? The two places? Yeah, like like culturally. Is, is you know, even when you cross in the United States, you're not... How instant is the change in those cultures where the healers are valued at a certain level or not? You know what I mean? Well, the, the thing is, a lot in the border towns, the healers are really valued, and, and a lot of people place a lot of stock in, in especially herbal medicine. Because what I found when when I lived in Baja, California, in Tijuana for 17 years, is that the people, most of, almost everyone I met, they were given, as a child, they were given herbs for ailments by their mother or their grandmother. Right? So it's still, it, it's, the herbal medicine has always been part of the culture. And 
in, in the traditional medicine, the, the you know the spiritual cleansings and, and and all of that is so much ingrained in the Mexican culture, and and in you know because it has such a strong indigenous background, right? It's uh, everyone knows about it and wants to. A lot of people would prefer to have that um, medicine, you know. As you get into like different social classes, then you'll find it's 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 as you go higher up the the ladder, it, it, it's it's often less accepted, mm. right? But it is the the normal everyday people that you would meet. I mean, that's that's what they would prefer to have. That makes so sense. It was pretty cool, you know, giving people their herbs. You know, or even just like meeting someone somewhere, you know, in, in some weird place and giving them a recipe, you know, because you're talking about herbs. And then they go and get the herbs and make it. Right. Whereas up here, you know, getting someone their herbs, it, it, it gets better, you know, as, as people know me and stuff. And I work with people, and get, you know, but giving people their herbs and then trying to get them to take it mm. is, is is sometimes, you know, they forget or, you know, they kind of like poo-poo it, you know, or something, you know. Right. It doesn't seem as important as the as the scheduled pill that you're supposed to take every morning from your doctor sort of thing, right? No, just your your, your tea or your tincture three times a day is, is, is sometimes doesn't, you know, that doesn't seem the same because it's not in, right. the, it's in the little white pill, you know. It's, well, you know, those, those people are ask-holes. <laughs> they well, ask... It, 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 and, and you then, give them stuff. Yeah, I, it's like I'll give them the medicine, but I, I can't make them take it. You know, I, I, I can't do all. I mean, I can try. <laughs> but, maybe, maybe we should get you a white lab coat, Brian. Maybe that would help. I, I you know, I'm an herbalist. I, I, <laughs> I, I, I would get that, that thing dirty really quick. <laughs> I got to go out and gather herbs, and I got to, you know, make herbs and mix things up. And, yeah, there's a, there, yeah I'm not good in white. <laughs> so at what level I, I know there's more to it than just the the gathering of the herbs and, and the way you mix them together how does magic or energy or spirit interact with what you do well when when I go to gather the herbs that I can, that I can gather I'll, I'll often use herbs that I purchase because they're just not available where I'm at you know um, I'll I'll I will typically gather from the same plants or the same patch of plants for, you know, for year after year, right? So I develop quite a friendship with the with the plants themselves, you know, and, and when I go at the correct time for for gathering the herbs, I'll, you know, I'll make an offering and, 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 and I'll say a prayer and, and ask the plant to, to share its medicine with me and, and the people that, that, that use the the medicine or need that medicine, you know, and, and that makes the medicine stronger when you, when you ask the plant to help in that way. And, and, you know, there's been studies have done where I think it was a, it wasn't the secret life of plants, that old one from the seventies, but there was a new one with a similar name and I forget the name right now, but um, where they did studies and the plants would change their chemical makeup based on what was being asked of them to be done. Mm-hmm. Right? And and I know, like, sometimes when I needed herbs for certain things, um, 
I, I might have a dream of just the exact plant to go to, you know, in my, in my spot where I gather plants, you know, or, or when I'm doing something specific, I go to one plant and, the, you know, and, and the plant may tell me that, well, I'm not the one, try this one, you know, try this other plant. And I'm like, oh, and then you, you I kind of analyze that, you know, and like, oh, yeah, that might work even better, you know. It's it's pretty interesting how when you w begin to work with plants, you know, at first most people are just learning from books and from classes and stuff and buying the stuff at the herb store. But then when you start to really make that, like that deep connection with nature and that deep connection with the plants that you're working with and really start to understand them, they begin to teach you quite a bit about how they should be used properly and, and different new ways to use them that you you know you, you might not have read about or heard about you know from other people the plants really share a lot in fact i i um early in my my herbal ventures i i was uh going out to gather chaparral and um, I, I ended up camping at the site for for three days and just kind of spent three days with the plant, kind of building up to the new full moon, which was was the last night, right? Well, when I and that morning I was going to gather, right? And um, just went out and talked to it, and, and it's it, it, that plant grows in the harshest parts of the desert where there's no water. So I'd you know I'd give the plant some water and offer them some tobacco. I'd even pee on them, you know, because they wanted liquid, right? And I tried to. <laughs> tried to share that way you know and um and then when i got together I, I finally went together the plant i mean even during those those three days i the plant was coming in my dream and teaching me right the chaparral plant was coming in my dream and teaching me i walked up to one plant and i thought well i gotta i i need to use the restroom so i'll share my liquid with this plant and there was a big rattlesnake sighting itself across the top of the plant you know like two foot from my chest when i walked up there and, and we just all, me and the plant and the snake, we just looked at each other and we were all good. And I just kind of did my business and backed away. And it was cool. The snake didn't even move. Wow. And when I went to gather the plants, I was gathering from these, you know, a bunch of little beautiful looking plants. And, and I got to one really great big one, the biggest one around. And I asked that plant if I could take some of its leaves. And the plant clearly said no to me right but me you know kind of being a fledgling herbalist and and really kind of not understanding what i was doing but kind of going through the motions of what i've been taught and and you know kind of like working little by little at that deeper understanding because i i guess i've never been a person to learn things in a hurry you know i i don't mind taking years and years to to learn these things that, that I've learned because it, it just seems deeper that way and that, that's the way I, I feel that things should be learned, you know. But I leaned into this plant to grab some and it was a still sunny day, you know. I was in the desert over in California in the Anzabrigo Desert and, and the wind blew and that plant slapped me really hard across my face. <laughs> Wow! Like really hard across my face because I was going to go take some of its leaves after it clearly told me no, and so it, like 
it just changed my whole way of looking at everything right at that moment with my, standing with my, face, with my face stinging, you know, I dumped all my water, I peed on the plant, I gave it some tobacco, I'm like, oh yeah, help me out, thank you so much, you know. <laughs> it's so, so it's, it's, it's learning about herbal medicine. And then learning how to connect with the plants, we get to the the deeper knowledge and, and, and we begin to learn the deeper healing properties of the plants, the things they'll do, you know, maybe even more on a spiritual level than just doing the, you know, what their, what their alkaloids and terpenes and, 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 and properties, you know, will, will do to the body, you know, in a scientific process, you know. Right. Well, the reason I, I was going to say that I, you're the, the second herbalist now that I've had this conversation with, and you and he uh, are saying the same thing, and it was my observation as well that, that, that I asked them, or, and I'll ask you the same thing, that sometimes it, the healing a plant provides goes way beyond what's listed in any book, and your relationship with that plant can open up healing that isn't listed in any one book or even if it is something that like say a willow tree you know you might use it for treating pain or something like that but if i've got a really good relationship with a willow tree i might actually be able to use that willow for a lot more than is ever listed in that book and get really excellent results is that something that you would agree with oh yeah for sure i mean if you if you read about white sage for example um, you're gonna. There's gonna be some uses for it. You know, it's it. If and if you're just looking up, you know, trying to find out information about sage, then you're not specific. Uh, you know, as as to the 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 white sage or the salviapiana, the California sage, you'll mostly get information on um, common sage. You know, garden sage, right? Then when you get specific and look up the white sage, you'll find a Usually, in any sources, I've seen a fairly limited um, amount of uses for it. I, I mean, I do a talk on white sage. I've done four-hour talks just on white sage, you know, <laughs> yeah. and, and showing the people how I've used it, you know, or how I use it. Because, you know, most people just know the sage bundles and they, they burn it because they want to clear something out or they just, you know, have in their bathroom to burn, you know, because it, it, it smells nice, you know, but it's, uh, it's so, it goes so far beyond that. It, it using the, the, the use of the white sage and mo a lot of people have white sage at their house and they don't realize that they have this really powerful antiseptic type herb, disinfecting type herb, a, a bacteria killer that, if they take a cup, you know, four leaves off, uh, four or five leaves off of the their sage bundle and crumple them up, put them in boiling water, and then steam their head with it when they're when they're feeling stuffy or they got a cold coming on, their head feels all clogged up, their sinuses and whatnot. It opens that stuff right up, right? Nice. It has it has a real propensity for helping to open up the the whole respiratory apparatus, right, and allowing for deeper breathing and allowing for for your yourself to be able to take in you know take breathe in and exhale you know take in that breath of life and get out that stuff you don't need instead of just feeling all clogged up and then because it's a clearing herb you know it clears negative energy and whatnot when you do that steam 
you 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 kind of get rid of that dark cloud that's often hanging around your head when you um, have you know cold or flu or, or something like that coming on and you're all stuffy and whatnot. So your face just feels all effervescent and glowy, right? And then you're and then you can breathe again. It's really super nice. It's, I mean, everyone should do it. <laughs> everyone. That sounds like a good I, idea. As yeah, opposed I, to stories I've heard of. I don't know what's wrong in my house. Spiritual problem, and then they go, "I I burnt sage," and I'm like, well, "Where'd you get your sage?" Oh, you know, from the container in the kitchen. <laughs> yeah, or or what were they? What were they? How did they burn sage? You know, did they go and go and clean all the rooms and and clean? You know, and and put forth a prayer and and use that sage and the smoke from that plant while they're in prayer with a clear intention you know that's it often they just oh, right. like sage, right they forget about need, like the intention part you know you need all that going on with the white sage but i think it was even scarier the people that didn't, didn't even know to go get the white sage <laughs> oh yeah well bless them for another, trying though right yeah they, they were going to clear the house with, with the sage they had i guess that's what you got to do when you're get in a pinch right <laughs> from the can in the kitchen <laughs> <laughs> Is that I've not tried that yet. I've not <laughs> tried that, but maybe I will. So, is, I got to tell you, Jason, some of the best sage I've ever had in my entire life I've got from Brian because it was stuff that he harvested uh, with a, a close relationship with a few plants. And the stuff is amazing. Nice. Oh, he's he's I, definitely got it down. I mean... I, I would love to get some sage from this guy. It sounds like he knows how he knows how the proper way to talk to it, communicate with it, actually and, get a relationship with the spirit of the plant. It's so important, and and like I said, I like like my white sage spot. I've been gathering from the same plants for you know fifteen years. The the same plants, and they're. They're as good of friends of mine as, as in, in, almost any person I know, you know. And they've been really helpful. I, and I, I, I have yet to run out <laughs> of white sage. I get close sometimes. I get nervous because I, I burn it almost every day, you know, and I use it and for, for different things. We, we just we just did an herbal food, do an herbal foot bath. I thought, oh, that'd be perfect, you know. Do an herbal foot bath while I'm talking on the show. I'll be all relaxed, you know. And I had white sage in there, right? Because yeah. it just helps, it helps to clear things out, you know. And it, what what I had in my herbal foot bath was um, chaparral, rue, walnut leaf, rosemary leaf, and the white sage leaf. Really, and sounds really good. Well, what's the intent of that bath? That bath is just to um, relax your your body. Relax your feet, you know, with and, and with all the, the reflexology points and all the acupuncture points in your feet, it, it makes your whole body relax, right? And, and it, it just feels good to have your feet in a hot herbal bath. And the the herb, the main herb I use in that one is, is the chaparral, which the, the one that slapped me across the face, right? And that plant grows. I'm here in quartzite, which is in the low desert. In just on the border of uh, Arizona, California, off the 10 freeway, and um, 
this is where chaparral grows in the you know in, the, in this low desert type situation it'll get it'll grow up you know in in up to around like three thousand feet maybe you'll sparsely find it in some really you know in, in some areas but it mostly is like down here in the low desert because it's the main plant the most abundant plant here in, in this part of the desert and that 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 particular plant is the oldest plant on the continent right it's there's there's plants i think i think there's a plant somewhere here in arizona that they they've uh, you know done dating with the plant this living plant that's like fourteen thousand years old wow and it lives in the nastiest part of the desert right and all of the indigenous people who ever lived around it used it for healing purposes right and i when i was first introduced to the plant which was interesting um i i read about it in a book and i'm like oh i want to go get some so i went to the herb store this is like in the early 90s right and um they oh they told me oh no we can't sell that it's illegal right and hmm. i'm like oh really so I, I was kind of at this you know oh i gotta get it and i felt like i was like you know trying to buy some other kind of herb right because i had to sneak <laughs> around and ask people and find the right guy <laughs> and uh, i went out to this i was I, I was doing some work in palm springs and i was out there and, and i saw this little herb store so i went in and um i asked the guy about it you know kind of looking around you know kind of nervous yeah i need to get some chaparral man right and uh so he's like oh i can't sell that to you young man he said but you know you seem like a nice enough man i'm gonna tell you a secret and he said come with me and he walks me out the front door and he says you see all those plants as far as you can see across the road there he's like he's like don't tell anyone but that's chaparral <laughs> <laughs> So, the plant had been made illegal. It's it, it's not illegal at this point. They sell it in stores now, but it, it got put back on the market. But it got okay. banned. It got banned because a woman in a in a, some kind of study, scientific study on that plant, was drinking an aqueous solution of of chaparral, which is tea, right? And mm -hmm. so she was drinking chaparral tea, and she died. Right, hmm. and she died. She died from liver failure. And when they, it, and so right away they, 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 you know, had this big stink about it. But when they researched and and, and you know did did an autopsy on the woman, her liver was going to fail whether she was drinking chaparral tea or water. She was like someone who lived on the street who just got some money from that study. It was you know to buy whatever she was indulging in, right? Oh, okay. They found out it wasn't really the fault of the chaparral, but chaparral is an herb that helps with congested liver energy, right? It it will sometimes when the liver gets sluggish, right, because it, it's backed up energetically, it'll not it it'll you'll start to have a problem. It'll be more difficult, and you'll have a slower digestion of fats, right? So right. the chaparral will affect the liver by helping to produce uh, a more 
um, uh, efficient biome. Like a, like a, like, so, so it's doing its job better, and you, you get better digestion of fat. So the, the, the chaparral helps the liver in that way. But if you were like doing a homeopathic proving of the herb, and, and in homeopathics, they would give someone so much herbs that it, it would produce a some kind of symptom. And then they would use that herb to heal that, to, to cure that symptom. That's the homeopathic theory, right? Uh-huh. So seeing that and how this this was almost like a homeopathic proving, you know, when the liver was that far gone, right? And no telling how much they drank because I never found a, a copy of the study or anything. I just know of it, right? Um, actually was, you know, not she this like woman was dying but it would kind of like was this like big homeopathic proving of the of the plant you know which was which was interesting i thought i use chaparral i like them for the the most part externally and and how i was first introduced to that by 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 this yaki medicine man that i studied with in 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 the 90s he um would use chaparral and rue like a couple big handfuls and make a really strong tea and put that in a bathtub for people who were experiencing paralysis from stroke. Hmm. Right. And having now treated many people, you know, with, with the paralysis type symptoms, what I, what I think that the chaparral does is it, um, affects the, the synapse of the nerve and helps to regulate how it's firing, so it's so it's it, it brings it back into balance when when you use you know compresses or baths. And what it does is, uh, if the, you have too much nerve stimulation and you have like you know cramps or, or you have uh, tight muscles, it will calm that down. But if you have nothing, you know, like you get a lot with stroke where there's just no movement, no nerve signal, it starts to stimulate that nerve signal again. So it's almost like oh, it's wow. balancing either way. If you have too much balances back out, if you have not enough, it's trying to bring that balance back up. Yeah, well, it it, it just works both ways. It regulates the, the I think the the nerve signal to the to the to the muscles and things. So and, that, and that's just, if, that's just if, my theory from just how it works, you know. Right. Well, what I'm curious on is like so with sage, you were talking about how it's an opener for your your uh, sinuses and, and your head, that sort of thing. It opens your body systems up, and it's also an energetic opener. So is that kind of correspondent still there other herbs as well? So like with the, uh, the chaparral, would that be something that you would use energetically to bring balance to a space or to a situation? Well, I, think? I, I use it for clearing um, people for clearing things off of people, right? Like, I, I, I work a lot with people with um, baths and, 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 and having them make teas and rinse themselves off with it after they bathe to do to do spiritual cleansing, right? And chaparral's always in there when I do it with that. You know, it, the chaparral, being a plant that I've developed this really wonderful relationship with, um, I and it's very flammable. I, I would it, It's really high in resins. So I, I would use actually use that plant um, to start my fires for my sweat lodges with, mm. you know, because I, I, I have that much reverence for the plant, right? 
and then in the in the healing round of my sweats, I would bring in tea with chaparral and rue and sage and, and some other herbs, but the main herb being the chaparral to actually put on the stones and the sweat lodge to do the cl clearing for the people, but also with that chaparral being infused in the steam coming off the stones, it helps them the nervous system to relax and allows them to get to a deeper place of healing. Gotcha. So there's really, so as much as it's tempting sometimes to uh, want to draw a line between the, the energetic or spiritual uses of a plant and the physical, uh, there is you, what it sounds like you're saying is that that line is not, not really there. It's kind of, that line doesn't exist. I mean, how can we separate our body, mind, and spirit? And, you know, and, and, and we, we see the failure in that and, and, and the, you know, the way that normal things work, you know, the way that most people look at things. And in, in allopathic medicine, you know, if you, if you got one thing, you go see one guy. If you got another thing, you go see another guy. And they're, and they're just so specific. And then, and then you don't even go see the doctor. If you got mental problems, you go to a different kind of doctor. And then if you got spiritual problems, you have to go somewhere different completely. But how could we make that separation, you know? We're all just integrated beings. And the more we get integrated in our body, mind, and spirit, the better our life is and our health is and whatnot. So you can't separate it. All the, all the herbs will work on, on body, mind, and spirit. It's just, you know, learning how to use them. And, and knowing when, you know, it, it, it's interesting as an herbalist, right? As, as someone who's, I've spent, you know, close to 30 years working with herbs and I've treated a lot of people, probably thousands of people, right? Um, I'm reading a book, one of my one of my friends and, and really good um, author on herbal medicine, Matthew Wood, he says in one of his books that, oh, I pity the, the young herbalist because it takes about 15 years to really understand what you're doing with herbs, right? <laughs> and, and, and I laugh when I read that because I teach herb classes to a lot of people and some of them are pretty gung-ho and they're like doing this and that, you know, doing exactly what they're taught. But I could, you know, they, you don't really get it. You really got to work with a lot of people and work with the herbs and be with the plants and things. And and, and I like that Matthew Woods said it takes 15 years. I would always tease my students with that <laughs> in class. I chuckle when you mentioned that name because not even realizing that two of you were friends, that was the other herbalist I was speaking of earlier because we were having a... Uh -huh. I, I, I had interviewed him once and we were having a fantastic conversation about... Uh, like, in my case, I've got a really good uh, relationship with walnut. I love walnut. Uh -huh. It seems magically and spiritually I can, I can get it to do things that you wouldn't normally associate a walnut tree for. And... Uh, so that's how we got on that whole conversation about how he learned herbs and letting the herbs speak to him. So maybe chuckle and you bring up his name because yeah, yeah, that's he's an he's an interesting man. I like that guy a lot. Matthew Wood's cool. He's he's probably the, you know the, the the has the most published of any of the you know the the current herbalist in the United States and all his books are so well researched and so well put together and you know he just puts up uh, his points across really good in a real real consistent way in all his books so good from, from your perspective here's a here's a question 
this might be a little bit of a of a strange question, but do you ever stop and think to yourself? I realize white white sage is like one of your favorite plants and 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 that sort of thing. But what herb is it that you think, generally speaking, that people need the most? Like, you know, our society has certain sort of cultures and flows and rhythms to it, just like a body does. Do you ever stop and look at it and think, you know, our society would be so much better if it had more sage or more dandelion or more have you ever thought about it in those terms like what what should people start looking at first when they're looking at an herb well i i the way i treat people is is i figure out what what their body energetics is like and what and where how the problems are presented and i then i treat the underlying problem and then you know if the symptoms are are which may take a little longer sometimes, but then if, if they have like symptoms that are really bugging them, I'll, I'll address those symptoms as well, right? Because cleaning up the, the root of the problem cleans up the whole problem. But if there's one thing that I could think that everybody would need, it would it would probably be stinging nettles. Really? Yeah. Well, just because we have such a calcium pro- deficient society, right? Because... People think that they're getting all their calcium from their milk and their dairy products, and they're not, right? They need they need to get calcium from plant sources, and and nettles is one that's really high in calcium, and calcium is such an important herb for you know for so many things. You know, you you, you think of the bone health and joint health, and you know you're you're keeping your hair, teeth, and and you know connective tissue all that healthy. But it's also, it, it, it's, it's, it helps the nervous system be healthy. It helps, you know, the whole, um, the, the urinary system be, to be healthy. It makes the kidneys strong and makes them function. And, and nettles is an herb that will often get things that aren't working right. It kind of nudges them into, into um, proper function in the body, right? But I think the calcium issue is the biggest thing that, like, people deal with now that throws them off so much and, and, and just taking that tea I mean it's going to help with, with the high calcium content but it also helps you like kind of reconnect to nature drinking that like dark green beautiful tea that comes from the nettles you know it just it, it tastes earthy and it kind of gets you back to your to remember your connection to the to the earth mother you know yeah so that was that would be my choice. Uh, you probably didn't expect that one, right? But I that, did uh, not. That's a fascinating one. I didn't see that one coming at all. That's the one I give to most people. Well, what a lot of people don't realize is um, babies digest dairy products really well. Adults, not so much. Well, they they digest mother's milk really well. They don't always do so good with um, cow's milk. You know, and and then the the thing is that the myth that we live under, I guess, in our society, which has been taught to us by the meat and dairy industry, right, is that milk builds a better body. You notice they don't have that commercial anymore because they're not allowed to because what they were saying wasn't exactly true, I believe. Um, but but milk is is so high in protein, right? <clears throat> when your body when your body consumes protein, meat, whatever. 
the byproduct is uric acid, right? The cellular byproduct of the absorption of, of, of the protein. And the milk still produces, doesn't have enough calcium to offset how much uric acid is produced in the body, right? Ah. So you have your, you have, you, you, you have your calcium, right? But it's still going to need more calcium to process it because, like, uric acid has to be changed to urine with with the addition of calcium, so we don't have, you know, burn our bladder with that uric acid, and we don't have problems, so we can expel it, right? So we can get it out and get rid of it, keep it under control in the body. And uh-huh. if there's no calcium in the diet, it takes it from the bones. Thus, the high occurrence of osteoporosis. I mean, so prevalent, like epidemic level in our society, right? Mm-hmm. And thinking that they're just going to drink milk, or you know, and, and that's going to make it all go away, and you're, they're still depleting their bones, you know. I mean, this is super basic stuff I'm saying, but it's like you you need to have calcium that's absorbable, and 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 pretty good amounts of it. So if you make a tea with with nettles, right, which tastes good and makes your body feel good and gives you a lot of nutrients that you need, your nervous system works better, and you can actually go through and think clearer in 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 your life oh that's fascinating go ahead i got a real quick question uh one of the uh people in the the parax chat room here is uh uh, fred has observed that if if he drinks a 20 ounce bottle of milk a day for a week he'd have a kidney stone what would the effect uh of the nettles have kidney stone as opposed to the milk well, it, I use nettles as a base for a formula for formulas that I would use for helping people to rid themselves of um, kidney stones, just because of it. It has it's a it's a diuretic. It's a mild diuretic, but it's but it also the okay. I I I don't know because I I'm not a scientist, right? Right, right. But I remember back, you know, several years ago, I listened to this talk um, from this guy. I don't remember his name even. And he was talking about how when um, animals get calcium deposits and, you know, calculi or stones in the the, um, kidneys, they would up the intake of calcium to the animals to help deal with the problem. Wow. Hmm. Right? Because no, a, lot of, a lot of times what happens is it's not that you're... It, 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 it's that the calcium isn't being absorbed properly, right? Or the calcium, when, when it's like, like for example, bone spurs and stuff, right? I don't... And again, I'm not a scientist. I'm just like an herbal guy that, you know, thinks about things a little People have bone spurs and have no calcium intake, and then they, they try to get them off calcium, right? I think where the bone spurs come out, where those things come out, is that's where the body's actually leaching out calcium to reabsorb it, right? Hmm. Yeah. So once you get calcium back in the diet, your body doesn't have to leach from your bones, and, and, and it doesn't have to have this buildup. It just... It just it uses this completely absorbable and usable calcium from a plant pro- from a plant source to do what it needs to do, right? 
of course, when I'm treating, like, if I was to treat someone with kidney stones, with like, you know, the, the music or the herbs that have been traditionally used in traditional medicine, right? I'll use, you know, certain stones to break up the stone, but I'll also use diuretics and, and then soothing herbs so that they 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 release some, they get some relief, you know, in, in what they're dealing with. How how much do you you just mentioned stones there and I know I've seen if you if anybody that's listening if you follow Brian on Facebook you're gonna see like tons of photos of these gorgeous crystal grids that he puts together doing some really amazing stuff there how often do you use stones along with the herb Is that real common for you oh yeah I'll I'll, I'll do a lot of things with people you know. Um, to help to balance them and calm them and get get their energy in alignment with the stones in conjunction with the with you know with the herbal medicine, and then you know and even if I'm doing like I teach crystal healing, I've been doing crystal healing since the '80s, right? And when I do crystal healing, I use herbs. You know, I'll burn sage and I'll burn you know maybe some other herbs that I like to burn to clear areas. And so the herbs are always included. I mean, even if I'm doing the crystal healing, I use I, I, I can't help but use the herbs. But when someone comes and tells me they have all these, like, crazy things going on, you know, like, oh, I have cancer. Do you got a stone for that? It's like, you know, <laughs> I probably have something that could make you feel better, but you really need to, like, do a whole life change, and you need to take herbal treatment you know a nice regime of an herbal treatment and change your diet and all the way you think and all that it's like yeah i'm not going to give you this magic stone that's just going to like make it all go away you know <laughs> what you mean two dollars worth of a crystal in my pocket is going to cure all my problems okay i got a good story this i was <laughs> i was set up in this red show and this and this lady she was dressed all elegant with all this gold <clears throat> and stuff. she comes into my booth and she was telling me about her spiritual teacher and how she was going to be the, she was, you know, very close to this breakthrough and going to be like a spiritual master. And she needed to have a lapis lazuli stone to put in this, uh, like crown that she was using, making to meditate. And she's like, but what's the cheapest lapis lazuli you have? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm like, I just looked at it, I'm like, is that what your, your spiritual growth is worth to you now? Right? <laughs> yeah. So I sold her the littlest one I had for two bucks, and she's, she, she's like a, probably some spiritual master now. <laughs> <laughs> two bucks is spiritual mastery. Right? That's cool, huh? No, it doesn't even take that much time. You just get two bucks out of your pocket, buy a lapis lazuli, and tape it to your forehead. <laughs> yeah, why even no, invest in the crown if you got scotch tape, right? But you know what? Yeah, that's right. You know what? Though, though you, I mean, to use... It's just like the body, mind, and spirit are never separate. It's so we're we're integrated beings, but we're integrated with this earth and all of the all of the tools and all of the the medicines that come to us from the earth, whether it's the wind or using a you know a feather of a bird to help clear someone off, or or or, or herbs or stones, it, it it all they all work on us at different levels, you know, and and you can really use those things in combination as you start to learn more and more. Work with like practitioners and therapists that know 
about and have experience with stones and herbs and things and you can really do a lot of things to get your space in balance to get your your body in balance your body mind and spirit in balance and, and make things better in your life you know so final minute brian what do you have coming up public public appearances and how can people contact you okay I'm. My name is Brian Hornbeck. B R I A N H O R N B E C K, and my. Uh, you can find me on Facebook that way. You can Brian Hornbeck at Hotmail is my email address. Um, I have the Terra Alchemy T E R A Alchemy website, which is kind of under construction. So bear with me on that one. And then uh, I'm I'm here in Quartzsite here making stuff i got my camp set up and uh, i'll be here for the gem and mineral show which starts january 1st my booth will open this weekend but we're just i'm basically here just kind of making stuff getting ready and just kind of chilling out in the desert for a while